Hi guys, welcome back to the Send It podcast. This is episode seven and I'm your host, Chloe Smith. Today I have on a really rad friend of mine, affectionately known as Cat Pat. She has done a lot of gnarly stuff throughout her life, but today I wanted her to share about a 10 day mountaineering trip she took in the Adirondack Mountains. I hope that you enjoy her story. So, Cat Pat, who are Chloe. you? And what do you do, and where are you from? I am Catherine. I basically help to run a ministry where we host Israeli travelers and backpackers, and we host teams to come do um, volunteering and service projects, and yeah, we just get to meet people from all around the world and just hang out with people and make friends, and it's awesome. And I am from Bowie, Maryland, on the East Coast, uh, about 20 minutes outside of Washington, D.C., and I lived there most of my life, and then I moved to Colorado and taught snowboarding and rock climbing, and then in 2014, I moved to New Zealand. Um, (laughs) So, you do a lot of backpacking and rock climbing and other super cool adventurous stuff. How did you get into that? It's funny. I decided when I graduated high school that I wanted to go to adventure sports school. I hadn't done any really rock climbing or backpacking or anything before that. I had gone on camping trips with my family when I was like five and six because my brothers were all in Boy Scouts, and I was really envious. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, since then, I hadn't really done any outdoor anything. I was a punk rock chick and went to concerts and went to the mall, and that was all I did. And uh, so I ended up at that school, and I loved it. It's, like, this whole side of myself that I never knew. I don't know. I just felt like it was just this quiet place where... There was no man-made things around, and it was just kind of me. Mm-hmm. And when I'm in that space, it's a really special place to be. So I connected with it a lot and haven't looked back since. Being a woman in that kind of sport, how has that affected what you do? And has it ever been, like, weird? Or what advice would you give to women who are wanting to get into that? Yeah, so when I first went to that adventure sports school, and it was all dudes... Um, I felt like at first I had something to prove to the world that, like, women can go just as hard as men and do it just as well as men, and um, I was just like, I, I would never complain, and I would never, like, I just needed to be as strong as them. And I also, I think I had something to prove at first, too, of, like, I can be outdoorsy and also be fashionable and, like, be girly when I'm not outside. I guess I've just become more comfortable with who I am in the outdoors. And because I've been in it for a while, and I think also when I first started kind of in this outdoor world, it was also a place of, like, I didn't really know who I was anyway. So it was this whole discovery journey. But now I'm just, like, I love climbing, and I love being in the outdoors, and it's it is who I am. And so I'm not super uncomfortable with like, I have to be really feminine or super girly, or I have to be really masculine and great at it. Like, it's just like, I'm somewhere in the middle where I feel comfortable with me. Mm -hmm. And I feel comfortable having fun in that space or 
being somewhere else, like getting dressed up and having fun in that space. Like it doesn't have to be like, I'm all this one thing or I'm all the other. How have men that you're doing this with responded to you being in it? Because I think that overcoming that and just going into it, like, I don't have to be better than you. We're just doing this together and it's cool. Like, how do they respond to that? I've actually had really positive encounters with most men in the outdoor scene. Like, everyone's really stoked to see a woman out there trying to, like, just, I don't know, just going for it. And... I don't think I've had anyone put me down because I was a woman in the outdoors. I know there ha- there is a lot of that, and a lot of women have experienced that. But me personally, I've had like nothing but positive experiences and guys just encouraging me to go for it. And um, <clears throat> if there's something that I can't do and I think it's because I'm not strong enough or I'm too short or whatever it is, like... I feel like guys have just been encouraging and just like, oh, I'll just try another way or like, I'll just completely give up. And I'm like, no, I can't do this one. I suck. And my friend Matt would just be like, I'm not letting you down until you try at least a couple more times because I know your capabilities and I know you can do it. Um, so I just feel like I've maybe I've just been really lucky with having good guy friends who mm-hmm. are just nothing but supportive. What advice would you give to a woman who's wanting to get into it but is like, afraid of those kind of things like being being compared to guys or like something weird happening to her or the fear of like going off on your own doing those kind of things what kind of advice would you give just go for it like there's like some of those things can be scary but once you get out there it's like it's not as big of a deal as you think it would be and then when you go for it it's so empowering like you finish a climb and you're just like, oh my gosh, like I never would have thought I could have done that. Or maybe the first 10 times you don't do it. And then the 11th time when you do do it, it's just like, you just feel so empowered and so much more like I can do anything. And um, you just have to kind of take that first step and get over the fear factor of like, it could like this, but maybe it won't be. And maybe it's going to be something that's going to change your whole life and like show you a whole new you. And um, yeah, to me, that's worth it. So you have a story for us. So it's a 10 day mountaineering trip and it's with my university. And um, it's winter camping. And so we have sleds that we're pulling instead of backpacks and we have snowshoes on the whole time. And We spent the first couple days learning how to build snow shelters and uh, learning how to ice climb. And then I think it was on like the seventh day or something that we would be at our base camp and we would do our summit of Mount Colden. I don't remember how many feet it was, but basically we're, we're climbing up this trap dike, which is, I think like a fancy word for basically, um, how do you describe it? Like an it's, ice chute? Yeah, yeah. So um, the, the morning of the climb was a little chaotic. Uh, a lot of the people weren't as prepared as they should have been the night before and searching for headlamps and searching for like the gear that they needed. And so we left maybe an hour later than we wanted to. Mm-hmm. And our um, guide instructor leader was basically like guys I don't know if we should still go like we're starting pretty late maybe we shouldn't go and we're all like no we're ready we're ready let's go okay we're ready to go let's do it like we can't not go now we're here we have to go 
and so he's like all right well we we have to be quick like there's no more like pauses like yeah. we're just going okay so we start so there's two teams of i think there was four or five of us on each rope and we're all simul climbing mm-hmm. and um so we do i think the first half of the mountain we made pretty good time and we stopped for lunch and the view was amazing um but it was after lunch that the weather started to turn and we'd made it we're just above tree line and so we're on the steepest part of the mountain and it's basically like the wind has swept away all of the snow and it's just kind of like crackly icy shards on the top of this mountain Mm. and we're like all right (laughs) and so we're just sticking in with our ice axes and crampons and trying to climb and that girl who was the whiny one at one point she thought her leader on her rope was going too fast and so she decided to tug on his rope which sent him just like sliding down the mountain and he's got three other people connected to him that he's like, right. So um, so he's sliding down the mountain and has to self-arrest and this is the calmest man I've ever met. Like he's even-tempered, like really relaxed voice all the time. Like you feel like you could sit under a meditation with him. He's mm-hmm. a very calm person. And when she when he self-arrested and stopped he was fine he just turns back and he was just like screams her name and then he says don't ever do that again (laughs) and that was all he said but with him like this even-tempered calm person we all heard him that we're like oh my god he cracked he's so mad right now i can't believe it and she so broke it. And we're like, I can't believe she just did that. I can't believe, like, that's like the number one rule. You should never do that. And so that was fine. We're going up the rest of the way. Um, and I just remember, like, it's starting to get a bit darker. And I think it's probably just because the clouds, it wasn't nighttime yet. But in the winter as well, it's like, the sun's going down way earlier so it was probably three and there were clouds and it was windy and I just felt numb all over and it was taking way longer than it was meant to so I didn't I had lunch and some trail snacks but I'd eaten all of them by that point and that my water I had drinking all of like this was meant to be like we were probably supposed to be down the mountain by this time but we had been taking so long that everything <laughs> I was just out of all resources so finally we get to the top of this crazy windy insane mountain and we get to the top and the wind was so strong trying to just stand up on top of that mountain I was I felt like I was going to be blown away and blown off of the peak of the mountain yeah so I'm just like trying not to blow away in this windstorm like crawling to the tree line like I see uh, one of the guys in the trees and he's just like come on Come on! And I'm just crawling on my hands and knees, just like, I don't want to get blown away! And just trying to get to this tree line. So I finally get there, and we're all deciding, okay, um, we really need to get down quickly. So we're not, we have a little bit of a break here, but don't even change into your snowshoes. Like, we'll just hike down in our crampons. It's just a trail now. We'll get down quickly. Like, okay, great. 
So I'm hiking, and I just keep post-holing because I don't have snowshoes on. Yeah. And every time you fall when you have no energy, it just takes your energy that much more. So it was like falling and then trying to lift myself up and then falling and trying to lift myself up. And I just felt like I can't physically do this. Like, how am I going to get make it back to the campsite? And it was, yeah, it was just so hard. And... So it was pretty constant of just like this post holding, falling, pushing myself up. And we get down to um, the bottom of the hill and there's this lake that it's a frozen lake that we crossed over. And I remembered it when we first came um, to the campsite that when we got to the lake, it was maybe 15 minutes left till we got to the campsite. And I was like, oh, yes, finally, like we're so close. I gave myself like a little bit of a boost. I've got the energy to get there. And we crossed this lake and we're hiking for 40 minutes and we're not there yet. And finally someone was like, I think we must've got a little bit disoriented on that lake and went to the wrong trail. And so we're hiking back to go back to the lake and try and find the right trail to our campsite. And again, we did not make it on the right trail. And so we are hiking now for like an hour and a half more from the time that we thought we were going to be there and I didn't realize it but other people were like throwing up and fainting and I was at this point where I was like I can't even stand anymore and I remember sitting on a rock and just being like I am not going another step further until you all get your crap together and I used some um very elaborate wordage there that I won't share here um but I was so mad and I was just yelling at them and I was like I'm sitting right here until you guys figure out where the heck you're going I'm not following you until you do and my buddy came up to me and he was trying to be encouraging and he was like come on Catherine I thought you were the tough girl and I was like don't you ever tell me I'm not tough I just summoned this like huge mountain you guys got it like I was so mad I was like don't you tell me that are you kidding me and oh I was so mad and I remember um later thinking about it I was remembering the stages of hypothermia and so you've got like the grumbles and the mumbles and the stumbles and so all these like stages and one of the stages for severe hypothermia is your personality just completely changes. And I'm not the type of person who would ever yell and cuss somebody out and do something like that. And generally, a really nice, happy going, find the positive in things. And so when I was telling the story later, I was like, oh, my gosh, I had like I was getting close to having some really bad hypothermia. And I didn't have any food or energy or water like yeah, it was, it was pretty gnarly. And so my buddy's like, okay, let's like, it's fine. Let's go. Like you're, we're good. And so they gave me a little bit of space. And, um, I remember another guy came up to me and he was like, uh, do you want help like carrying your backpack? Like, do you want help with anything? And I was like, no, I'm tough. I can do this. Like he just told me I'm not tough. I'm going to prove him wrong. I'm carrying all my stuff. I'll be fine. Um, but I remember thinking in my head, I was like, if I could just take this backpack off, it, everything would be easier. Everything would be fine. 
it wasn't until years later when I was telling that story that I realized I didn't have a big 50-pound pack on my pack. I had a really lightweight day pack that didn't have any food or water in it left. Yeah. Like, there was probably nothing. It was, like, a, maybe five pounds in that pack. Yeah. But in my head, I thought I was carrying a big 50-pound, like, backpacking pack. Um, which blew my mind later when I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> I retold that story, and I was like, wait a second. That wasn't a big pack. So, anyway, so I'm, we're all hiking, and we're finally getting back to the right track. And I remember I couldn't even stand really at this point. I had someone in front of me and someone behind me really close because I would start falling forward, and the person in front of me would catch me. Mm. And then I would start falling backwards, and the person behind me would catch me, and they're just, like, holding me up while I'm kind of teeter-tottering back and forth. Yeah, so we finally made it back to the campsite, and everyone's like, okay, like, eat some food, get, like, some energy in your bodies, and then go to bed, because, like, you'll freeze to death if you don't get food in you. But I couldn't even think about eating, so I just Mm. went into my tent and just collapsed, basically, and slept. Um, but again, the story ends well. We all made it home. Everyone had hot chocolate with sticks of butter in them to get the calorie count up before you went to bed, and everything ended up being fine. We hiked out the next day, I think, or the day after that, and it was all good. I love that feeling when you make it to the top of a peak or the top of a climb or even if you've just been like working on this bouldering problem for ages and you finally completed it um or even if you've just gone a day trip with your friends like there's something about that feeling of completion like when you get to the top and you get to see the amazing view and you know like I did that like that was like my my body and I was able to use it to climb this mountain or to summit this peak or you know like just accomplish this amazing thing that if you had asked me when I was in high school if I would ever do anything like that like I could not have thought that it was possible for me and my body to do that but when you're able to complete something like that there's just this really cool feeling of just like wow thanks for listening in guys I wanted to give a quick shout out to a company I'm really stoked on right now called Native. They're a small grassroots honey company based out of Utah. One thing that is incredibly important to me when consuming honey is that it's sustainable. For me, this means that the bees are kept by small local farmers, that they are cared for humanely and lovingly, and that the bees' honey is not over harvested. These are things that are really important to the guys who started Native Honey. As a horticulturalist, Caring for bees is of huge importance to me. Bees are under huge threat right now as colony collapse still plagues beekeepers and the use of bee-threatening chemicals as well as intensive agriculture destroys their environments. A few ways that you can help support our bee species include planting bee-friendly flowers and plants in your garden. Invite them in and create a habitat that they can thrive. Avoid using chemicals and pesticides to treat your yard. This can prove toxic to bees as they collect nectar from your gardens. And lastly, you can support local raw honey companies like Native. I'm super stoked to be partnering with these guys for my PCT through hike, and I'm very thankful for what they do. To find out more about bees and how you can help our native bee populations, visit xerxes.org. Thanks for listening, guys. Tune in next week for the Send It Podcast.